0: This is the Alone With Our Principals podcast, episode 25, a little bit off his rocker. I'm Eric. And I'm Chris, and we're both elementary school principals in the Hesperia Unified School
1: District in Southern California. Our guest this time is Valerie Turpin, the director of elementary education
0: for the Hesperia Unified School
1: District, who will be talking to about her role in supporting site principals.
0: Alone With Our Principals is unofficially sponsored by Duracell Batteries and Coppertone. She sells D-cells down by the seashore. mess with bull young man you'll get the horns you've got a real attitude problem if at Flyer, you're a slacker so far this semester he has been absent nine times I'm the
2: principal man
1: excited about this episode of course but before we get to our special guest with us as always is our fact checker editor and future co-host and we're gonna get to that a little bit later or possibly on a future episode miss Carrie Lewis
2: good morning gentlemen and our guest today Val how are you doing I'm good. It's a
3: Friday. It's a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does not feel like a Friday at all. Oh, maybe, maybe it's wishful in my thinking. mind. Yes, yeah. wishful thinking, exactly. It
1: is It is the Monday of all Mondays, uh, to be honest. All right, well, before we get into um, the details, Val, why don't you give us a little bit about your background and your experience and everything that's led you to your position as our Director of Elementary Education?
3: Well... 62 and a half years ago, I was born in, up in California, <laughs> I thought you wanted my whole background.
1: Go for it, go no. <laughs> for it. We got time. Yeah.
3: Let's see, I've been in education for 37 years. From when I was in second grade from on, I just wanted to be a teacher. I had the best second grade teacher, Mrs. Imamura, and she was, I just loved her to pieces. She was wonderful. She, we had fun. We did underwater basket weaving. <laughs> we didn't do underwater, but we did do basket weaving. Yeah. Where we was this, it? It's just in Fontana, California, oh, yeah. Palmetto Elementary School. She was just beautiful, and you know, I was in love with her oh. and wanted to be just like her when I grew up. I didn't quite get as beautiful as her, but you know.
0: Stop. Stop.
3: <laughs> and so then I went to I went to high school. Went to help. No, I'm going to say Hesperia Junior. I <laughs> junior high. First, seventh, eighth, and ninth, that's when we had those three grades in junior high. And then high school, Montana High School, I was a Steeler. Go, Go Steelers. Go Steelers. Oh, hi. I was in music, I was in orchestra. What'd you play? I didn't know you were in Played the violin. It. Oh, nice. I was, yeah, played in violin all since uh, fourth grade, I think it was. Played in all the operettas and did all that kind of stuff. And then I was also the student store manager. So I was into business then too. I don't know why, but and then I was also on the drill team, marching around Got to march, there you go. Doing all that kind of stuff. And then I went to Cal State San Bernardino. Coyotes. Yes. And I was a child development major. Wanted to be a preschool teacher. I love the little little ones for the longest time. That's why I did child development. And then um, needed to start taking education courses, so I did that. During that time, I started working in private schools.
1: When? Where was that?
3: At Resurrection Academy in Fontana, California.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: right after... Uh, here,
1: my mind is now reeling with possible
0: <laughs> slogans. <laughs> that's for, <laughs> <country>. <laughs> <at> Resurrection Academy.
3: <laughs> I started teaching right after I had my first son. Started teaching kindergarten full day. Kindergarten had 36 kindergartners oh my goodness it was tiring you had a baby at home and i had babies in the classroom with me so it was long a long day so then my principal got smart and moved me to second grade next year realizing it was a little hard being a a mom and a mom at school so then i taught second grade there for three years and then i moved to saint catherine's school in rialto and i taught first grade there Kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, sixth grade, and seventh and eighth grade. Wow, wow. So I had a, a wide range of it there. So what brought you to Esperia? We moved up into the high desert as a family, and I got tired of commuting down the hill. You can so that. I started looking around here, and I actually put my application in to Victor Elementary because that's where I lived, and I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna teach where I live. Well, they never bothered to call me back. <laughs> It was their loss, right? That's right, right. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and then I put it into Hesperia, and they called me right away for an interview, and I started teaching at Hollyvale, and I had a K-1 combo with lots of little boys running around, lots of little <laughs> boys. And then I taught there, then I became assistant principal at Kingston Elementary School.
0: So how long were you teaching in Hesperia Friedman Administration?
3: I only taught two years in Hesperia. Um, So
0: administration was already a goal when you came up to this area? I'm curious. Everybody's path is different. I'm always curious, like, those that choose to leave the classroom, how did that happen for you?
3: I never wanted to leave the classroom. I was happy in the classroom. I had an administrator that said, you would be a good administrator. You need to do something that's going to, you're going to be able to take care of yourself in the future. And I kept fighting it tooth and nail, (laughs) but... Anyway, it went out, I guess. So like Kingston, huh? Yes, but I had taught previous years, that's why I was able to really do administration. And um, Kingston, I was there for two years. When that was, we were still um, year round, and that was that was a fun time.
1: Yeah, the year, I think the year round thing had just ended when I started here, because I started here in '99, and I think we were still year round that year, maybe, but the next year we went back to traditional. I was grateful for because you know as a teacher year-round is really really cool but as an administrator even when you're off of school is going on you can't really completely get away from it i wouldn't imagine thankfully i was never an
2: administrator on year
3: round. But... no i loved it as a teacher oh yeah it was great as a teacher but um as an administrator you were constantly having to repeat yourself with the next track that came on and we were, i was at one of the biggest schools and we did have the three tracks and it was hard keeping it all straight so i i When I went and became principal at Mesa Grande in 2000, we just went off of year round. So it was was great. And I was there for forever, it seems like. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Fondly, Fondly. Yes, very
3: fondly. Six and a half years. And I got to meet some wonderful teachers. Wonderful teachers. In fact, I even got to hire someone that, is our fact checker, checker here. Miss <laughs> Lewis, I got to hire her into the district and have never regretted it since then. So tell us how
1: Miss Turpin is a
0: principal. Oh,
3: that's I absolutely loved case, working for
1: Val. Yeah, because Val, you were actually on the panel that hired me as well, so. Yeah,
3: yeah I know, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, Everybody, I'm sorry. right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and you know, it was wonderful. I wanted to stay at the school site. I didn't want to go anywhere else. That's where I was going to be, and I was going to finish my career there. Yeah. Seems
1: so like there's a pattern of you taking jobs that you didn't want. I know. Assistant principal, district office.
3: Well, you know, but I always knew when the time was right, when I needed a new challenge. Yes. And at the time, Rob Shalenor was our assistant superintendent of Ed Services, and he sat down across the desk from me and said, "Valerie, what do you want to do when you grow up?" I said, "I'm doing what I want to do." I want to stay here. I want to be with the kids. I want to be with the staff. I said, I'm perfectly happy and content here. And he said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. (laughs) He said, I know you, one of these days, you're going to need a challenge. He says, you always need to have a challenge in your life. And he says, this won't be a challenge to you anymore after soon. And I thought, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, lo and behold, he left to become a superintendent. And then the coordinator of categorical programs at that time went with him. So that position opened up and I thought, no, I don't, that's not something I want to do. And then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, it's time. And so then I put in for that and I got that position, which was difficult to interview for. It's always difficult to interview with people you know already. And did then became categorical director and I worked with Title I funds all the time and supported the principals that way and then eventually it became a director and included the elementary side of it and working with the elementary principals.
1: Right, and and your role now, among many, many other things, is basically to be, I mean it's not really the definition of the role, but kind of like a liaison between the district and the elementary administrators and I know that Eric and I and the rest of our colleagues appreciate having you as kind of a sounding board. And I actually wanted to circle back to the whole being hired into the district um, because I don't think I've told this story on the podcast yet, but Val, you and Jovi and and Bill Freeman are literally the reason I am in this district. Um, Because when I was interviewing for assistant principal positions, I actually had an offer on the table in Temecula, which is completely the opposite direction from where I was living at the time in Cisparia. So uh, I was offered the position and asked, can I have till the end of the week to make my decision? It was like on a Tuesday. And I still knew that I had the interview in Asperia later that week. And in Asperia, the interviews for administrators are basically the administrator Olympics. It's a three to four hour process that includes a role play, includes a presentation, includes your traditional interview, just a bunch of stuff. So with an offer on the table, I'm looking at my refrigerator and I see the list of all of that and being the crazy person that I am, and hey, that looks like fun, Um, and I already had a sub for my classroom that day anyway, and I had an offer on the table in in a different district, so I figured I'll come up and interview, and I came up and went through the process, and now it's always easy to interview or easier to interview for a position if you've already got something else on the table, so it it takes the pressure off, but over that three and a half hours, it was you, Val, and Joey, and Bill, and everybody else on that panel that just, these are people that I want to work with. And, and it speaks very well to you know whatever job you have wherever you are whatever district um it's about the relationships that you build so that basically helped me make my it well it didn't help me it was the reason and i haven't regretted it since because um yeah where, wherever you are it's,
0: it's about the relationships that you build and i knew that this is the place that i wanted to be i think sometimes you know with interviews we forget that it really is a excited interview right Oh yeah, well, You know, us as the, uh, the the company or the business that are looking to hire people on, uh, when you're the the candidate who's applying for a position and making sure that you really feel like you're going to belong, you're going to fit, you feel connected to that district or, or business or company or whatever is extremely important as well. Yeah. So,
1: all right. Well, that's, thank you for the background. Uh, was what that too much? much? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. It's interesting to get to know because there was, I didn't know all of that about the background and what led you here. So that is awesome. Can somebody get a violin in here? That would be great.
2: Um, It just became a talent show. Yeah, Yeah, I haven't picked one up in a long time.
0: Wake up and smell the coffee, Mrs. Buehler.
1: All right, so now we'll move to this segment of our show that we call the quiz, uh, where we have three interesting questions that help us get to know you even a little bit better. So we'll start with the first one. If you could share a funny or memorable story from when you were a student in school.
3: Okay, this one I can do real easily. It was, I was in fourth grade, and we had just a real rowdy group of kids in fourth grade. We were bad. We were bad, jumping up and down on tables, throwing tables, um, and I don't know it's really funny or it's more memorable, but we ended up chasing the teacher out of the <laughs> profession. He had room and uh, he went a little bit off his rocker and um, the, of course everybody else was celebrating not me of course I'm sitting there being Miss I was going to say
0: what was your role in this Val? you know she kept saying we right she never uh, said that she said so, we. Right. Well
3: it was we because it was a whole class but it was there were some really wound up kids in there and so I remember that because I thought oh Maybe I don't want to be a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Two years into even thinking
1: about it, you're like, "No, I'm done." We're yeah,
3: good. but so that's that. That brings me back every time I think about it. So. All
1: right, the second question, and um, you kind of hinted that maybe there isn't one, but what's the best job you've had outside of your current profession? Profession? Have you ever had a job outside of education?
3: I have worked outside of education, but I don't. They were all secretarial type jobs. Okay. Um, I worked while I was going through school. I worked at the Department of Motor Vehicles. Oh. I don't know if I could say that was the best job. It was the best paying job for somebody young like me. And I was one of the youngest ones in the office. There were a lot of more mature, older people in the office that were a little bit more cranky. And
1: they had cars in them.
3: All right. That's a, that's a check for you. <laughs> <modern>. <laughs> uh, and so I would always be, I would, I guess, you know, yeah, I'm sorry to
1: interrupt, but this might be the first time we've had a guest or one of the handful of guests that's actually older than me. So this is my opportunity to make that kind of joke. Like, did you get that show? down for the
0: fact check later?
3: <laughs> yeah, it's not,
1: it's yeah, actually um, I'm sorry.
3: It, it is true. It is true. <laughs> I, it is true. I am older than him and I'm proud of my age. Cause so I don't pretty. even think I look or at 62 times. My body may feel that way at times when I try (laughs) to get up from a chair, but other than that, I don't feel like I act that way. DMV, and everybody's known to be cranky at the Department of Motor Vehicles. There's always long lines. It takes forever. And I would sit up there at the counter, and I would be laughing and kidding with the people, and I learned how to read everything upside down because they're on the other side of the counter, and I had to learn how to do it, I could read it upside down. And everybody would leave my window being happy, but everybody else would look at me around there like, What is she so happy about? But it's like, you know what, just make it what it is. Yeah. Talk with people. I got to talk with people and help people. So I think that's why I liked it.
1: All right. And our last question, what movie, TV show, or music group brings back memories of your high school years?
3: I don't know.
1: You listened to music in high school.
3: Yes, but I don't, I'm not one, I don't remember names of of songs or groups or anything like that. And so I, I don't think I really have one. Sorry.
0: Interesting. That's a first. Yes. I don't love their principals. I'm sorry. My office is right across that hall. Any monkey business is given All right. Well, that's going to take us into the main section of our <laughs> podcast. We're just going to talk about uh, you and your role as director in elementary education and, and kind of help us and our listeners understand what that looks like and how you support principals. So I think uh, Chris had mentioned a few minutes ago that you certainly had a hand in him and our fact checker getting hired in this district. Um, and I know there are just a couple of many, many, many teachers, administrators, and various staff that have been hired as a result of you being in a leadership position. So one of the questions we wanted to kind of just chat about is what do you look for in a principal, when you're hiring a principal? You're on an assessment center. You're looking to bring up an assistant principal. What are some of those things that you personally would look for?
3: Oh, okay. I don't look for the person that knows all the right answers. That is not what I'm looking for. I don't want somebody that has all the right answers. I want somebody that listens, uh, it has a personality and shows that they care about kids and about working with teachers because that's the important part of being an administrator is that you're working with the teachers that are supporting those kids. And so I, like I said, you can learn the knowledge, you can get the knowledge and learn the information that you need. Of course, I don't want somebody that comes off like crazy on some of those questions too, like, you know, I'll just let them do whatever they want to do. That's not it either. Common sense. I look for common sense. And again, I I really look at personalities because I think it's important to have the right person in, in the job and somebody that will listen and somebody that will take advice, but also can give advice the right way, guiding somebody, leading somebody the right way.
0: What's the, what is what is a potential roadblock or a problem with hiring somebody who seems to think they have all the answers? That's a good question. That's a good question. Because you mentioned, you know, I definitely don't want somebody who thinks they know it all or have all the answers or necessarily have understand everything. Um, so w- what might be wrong with that?
3: They wouldn't be willing to listen to other people. If you know, they think they know it all, it's going to be their way or the highway. Mm-hmm. They all have a tunnel vision. And um, I think it's when you're in the role of an administrator, that you are able to listen to all sides. Mm-hmm. Because just because you think you know what's right, that doesn't mean it is right. You need to be able to take what's being said to you and ponder it and, you know, maybe maybe tweak it a little bit or you can still use what you know, but maybe use what they have and just make it even better.
1: Yeah, and anything that you're going to try to implement, you can't do by yourself anyway.
3: Yeah, so, it's a team. It's an absolute team.
1: Yeah, and, that, and that's something that I've struggled with at various points in my career too is that you get this vision of how you want things to end up and then you spend so much energy trying to get it there that even if you're successful you don't have to buy in of other people. You you know, it's always better off to take the input and if it goes somewhere different than you thought, maybe it needed to go somewhere different. And if you're not open to that, that's going to be problematic.
0: Exactly. Sometimes that I you know one of the things that I've personally been trying to grow in and, and our fact checker, my assistant principal here has helped me with is learning how to leverage the talents of your staff, right? And learning how to not, and that's truly a skill, identifying the strengths of the people that work with you or work for you, and how can you leverage those to for the betterment of the entire school. And sometimes that means I use the phrase of not being the smartest person in the room, which is not incredibly difficult. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, surrounding yourself by smart people and getting out of their way. Yep. Um, and, you know, there's certainly power in that. And leadership, for me, has changed a lot since I became a teacher, at least in education. Uh, because I do think the role of the principal has shifted pretty dynamically. We talk about this idea of leading from the middle, right? Building building the right team to get the to get the school headed or the district headed in the right direction means being able to do all those things, listen to people, being willing to be wrong, being willing to build on the strengths of, of your team uh, for the betterment of the entire system.
3: I so I was just going to say something. I can't remember what I was going to say now. That's what happens when you get to be my age. You forget things easily.
0: <laughs> what's my excuse then? <laughs> <laughs> So Val, you know, this year, it certainly has been a year unlike any others. And I, I I know that I can probably speak for Chris and maybe a lot of our other principals that uh, I think your position as a director has become exponentially more important to us from a relational perspective. Because as we've had to navigate this pandemic and navigate the effects of that and the impact of that on our students, staff, community, uh, having somebody like you, Chris, used the word liaison a few minutes ago. Uh, but sometimes it's so much more than that and being able to have somebody that we can just call and be frustrated about whatever and you know um for me personally i'll just say it speaks to trust knowing that i can call you and just be upset and complain and vent and all of that and at the end still be uplifted and encouraged so that's mouthful what are some of the ways that you pandemic or not what are some of the things you do in your from your perspective to support elementary school principals
3: listen that's my big thing Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just, I think I become friends with them, but also respected as a supervisor of them, but they respect me, I think, and I respect them. I, I think I, I teach them that um, I listen to them. I will respect what they are doing. Um, I consider them friends, not just uh, subordinate which I don't think anybody would be subordinate, you know, anyway. Wait, you're our Chris boss? Definitely Wait would. a second. <laughs> oh, that changes everything. <laughs> no, I did not know that. <laughs> but, you know, I don't, I don't think I, I don't, it's very rare that I use the term, I'm your boss. I won't say that to them because I don't think that gets you anywhere. I think it's that you work together. I, and I think also important part is that I um, bring personal things into the relationships. As far as, you know, I I talk to them about, like, Carrie, I'll ask her her about her dog. Um, I'll ask Chris about his kids and his new grandbaby. And I even ask uh, Eric about his lovely wife and kids. And I think I I try to make that where we have a personal connection along with it. And I think that makes it where you can become more trustworthy because you share different, you share ups and downs. I've shared downs with a lot of people and um, gives me somebody to vent to and they, then they know that they can do the same with me.
1: Yeah, and, and you're, you're right on the money there, Val. Because I mean, I always, from my experience, I mean, you're always talking to us as people first. It's never, that's Eric the principal or Chris the principal, it's Chris and Eric and Tom and the rest of us. Right. Uh, and, and a lot of the time, most of the time, that's what we need, we need, we need you to hear and understand us as people first and then as as it relates to our role. So, I mean, yeah, our appreciation for you is
0: tremendous.
3: I've been away from the school site for quite a few years. I never wanted it to seem like I didn't understand what was still happening and, and the things that they're going through. I don't understand everything. I admit it because I'm not there day to day with you, but I always want to be that person that you can talk to about it and listen and not say oh i've been up at the district office so long that she just doesn't understand what's going
0: on when i hear you talk about those things i think of like being humble i think of vulnerability right and and you know it's like any good relationship knowing just when to listen and sometimes knowing when feedback is needed and sometimes val i know for me personally i can call you and it's like she knows just because because you've really gotten to know me as a person you know when i want to strategize you know when i want a thought partner and you also know sometimes i think he just needs me to hear him out because he's upset, he's frustrated, and that's not his character typically. So I, I'm just gonna, you know, be an asset by just listening and hearing him out. But um, you know, talk about like hiring a principal, having a good director that can build relationships with somebody who's vulnerable, somebody who also doesn't always have all the answers and, and is willing to say that. Because I know many times, you know, you're incredibly intelligent and and smart and, and know so so much about the world of, of school administration. But there's also those times when I know I can call you and if you don't have really the answer, you're going to tell me that and not try to give me something else and say, I don't know, but I'll, I'll get back to you. And you always do. Yeah, so.
1: that's a very good point because sometimes we always we want to have an answer. And, and the vast majority of the time you do, but when you don't, you tell us that and find the answer and then get back to us. And if the last year has taught us anything, it's that things change at a moment's notice. And the less frustrated we can all be when that happens, the better we're able to manage it.
3: And that's my frustration is that I'll say something to uh, the principals and get you guys going on one road. And then all of a sudden it gets swapped on me midway. And then I have to bring the bad news and tell you again and and again. And that's okay. I take the brunt of it. I will take it. You can lay it on me because I know. Seriously, WTF.
0: (laughs) 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 Now, I had a situation just recently that that things kind of got switched on me at the 11th hour and I called Val and I was upset. And, you know, it ultimately had I not had a Val Turpin in the office, it would required me to navigate working with multiple departments and multiple scenarios and trying to problem solve. But instead she's basically paraphrasing. She's like, I got you. Let me let, give me some time, and I'll call you back. And within 30 minutes, she had navigated all of those things for me. And uh, I was so, so grateful under the circumstances.
3: I don't always give the answer they want, right. but they I think they know that if if I say it, I've tried every way. That I could to make it work the way that they want it to, Absolutely. and oh, yeah. i try to yeah. do that. And, you know, I think being, a, okay, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm, I answer my phone, and I answer my texts and my emails all night long. Yes, you do. And yes. so if somebody's <laughs> calling me, if a principal texts me and says, you know, I'm just about had it, I get on the phone and call them back, or they text, you know, call me or whatever, I will still talk to them. It doesn't matter. It's not... Because I don't consider that work time. Then that is something personal that I need to help them with, even though it's work related. It's still something that I need to work with them as a friend
0: yeah, it's and get them through. First. So, yeah. so, so we're gonna put you on the spot here a little bit because you know we spend a lot of time talking about. For us, I think it's a bit of a selfish, uh, selfish on our part because the role you play as a as a, a friend, a confidant, a support for principals. That's just a tip of the iceberg in terms of what your actual responsibilities are. So the question I have for you is. What is your most favorite part of your job as a director?
3: It's the people. Yeah. It is, it's being, uh, working with all of you guys. That's what I'm gonna miss the most. Helping, supporting, and just being there with them. Not feeling like a boss, but being a friend.
1: And I don't think we've mentioned it yet. Um, Val is retiring at the end of this year, so that is another thing that makes all this bittersweet. We definitely wanted to have you on before you go,
0: so here we are. Here I am. So now this is why I said I'm you on the spot. I What's don't... the least favorite part? Because we know we don't all love every aspect of everything we do. And if that answer is the name of a principal in the district, feel free. A principal in the district, remember, okay. feel free to oh, just put yeah. yes, it out so there. I was going to
3: say Chris Mogger, yeah, but, well. you know. <laughs> uh, it, the paperwork. I hate yeah. feeling like I'm being a paper pusher. And um, that's not what I got into education for, was just to push papers. And that's a lot of what my job is writing some of the plans, and I like to see the plans put in action, but I don't necessarily like to sit and spend the time writing them and having to tell people no. I, I, I will try to find a yes because that's another part I don't like is say, having to say no because there's always good reasons why people want to do things, and I hate to burst their bubbles, but sometimes there's nothing you can do when there's rules. Or well,
1: and you, and you do that very well because we've gotten no from you on a few occasions, but... Because of that approach that you take, when you tell us no, I guess I can speak for myself, um, we know that you've, you've researched it, you've tried, to, you've tried to do what we can, and so if you can't, it's like it's never like, well, I should you tell us no. It's like, all right, there's that trust like Eric alluded to before. Um, we know that you've done everything you can, so it makes it a little bit easier to take when
0: we don't get our way. <laughs> if Val says, well, I talk to personnel, and this is what I've learned, or I talk to business services, this is what I've learned, at no point do I feel compelled to go and call personnel and business services because I know She's a person of integrity. She's done what she said, yeah. and so I know the answer I got is the answer
3: I got. Well, thank you. So
0: this is
3: what I'm going to miss.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, uh, Miss Turpin, you know, I we we uh, have an affinity in this podcast for all things '80s pop culture, movies, and so I'm sure you've done your homework and research preparing for this, and you, you're very familiar with Mr. Ed Rooney, the principal in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, right? Yes.
3: Yeah.
0: So imagine Mr. Rooney is a principal under your care. Caring for Mr. Rooney, uh, what might that look like? What might a coaching session with Mr. Rooney look like to help him grow as, as a school leader?
3: What in the world are you thinking being a principal? <laughs> <laughs> fair enough.
1: Now, to be fair to Mr. Rooney here, because I tend to be the Rooney apologist on the show. <laughs> Eric is merciless towards towards Ed, but I kind of, he, he went overboard, granted. But he really was trying to build the culture because he says himself, we can't have 1,500 Ferris Bueller disciples running around these hallways. It's true. You can't. So you have to make an example at some point now. Yes, he went too far by crawling through Ferris's dog door. He went too far. Breaking and entering, I would not recommend to anybody.
3: But still. But there would have been a better way to deal with Ferris. And that's what I think he would need to learn is... How to connect with Ferris on his level, so he could get him on his side, and then he could turn around and use Ferris as an example, a better example.
0: What
1: are some ideas for that? I've, I haven't thought about that approach before. How's okay, it? You know, I'm thinking
0: about the perspective of we know that good leaders can ask the right questions, right, to move the work forward. So I'm trying to think of some questions. You know, Mr. Rooney comes back from uh, you know Ferris's house and he's covered in mud, he's missing <laughs> his shoes, and he's bloodied his lip, and he's sitting in your office and. You know, <laughs> I'm just picturing that meeting <laughs> here's Valley, Mr. Rooney. And, uh, So what, what might you ask Mr. Rooney to get him to reflect on his poor decision making skills
3: Mr. Rooney what what do you think you could have done different in that situation What was wrong with crawling through the doggy door What was wrong with the you know when you get all muddy and everything like that What would be a better way to handle that what could you have done before it got to that point that you had to do that?
0: So he has to come up with the only, his own answers. Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: That That's, that's what, that's what makes a, a good leader is you right. get them to come up with, and then you can give them suggestions and make it seem like it's their suggestion. You know, you can guide them to the right answer. Uh, Cause if you just give them the answer, they're not going to listen to you either. So you've got to, you got to work with them. You got to, you got to.
1: He would have had to have come up with it. It's it's hard to take the moral high ground when when you're covered in mud. I've always said that.
3: <laughs> I think that's I think that's the way I would handle them. I, you know, I, that's just the way I I I think I handle a lot of those situations when I try to coach. Is like I'm not telling them what to do, but just where do you think you could have done different or what things like that.
0: How's that working for you? <laughs>
3: You sounded like Dirty
0: Harry just there. All right. So that brings us to uh, the next portion of our podcast. We have an extra credit question for you. So far, you're doing tremendous. You don't really need the extra credit, but we're going to roll with it anyway because it always ends up being uh, a lot of fun. And so the question is, I'm actually going to put this one on Chris first. I'm going to let him go because he always has some interesting uh, dynamic responses to these. But the one we got for you today is which classic TV character would make the best elementary school principal. Chris, what do you got for
1: us? I love thinking about this. And if you've been listening to our podcast for a while, or those of you that know me probably have an idea where I'm going to go with this and I'm going somewhere completely different than what you probably expect. I thought of all the things that an elementary school principal needs to have all the skills, working with kids, being able to be entertaining, being able to be organized, working with an assistant principal, all of those things. And there's one character in TV history, and we have to go back to the 70s for this long, that I think would be amazing. And that is Shirley Partridge from the Partridge family. The mm-hmm. mom yeah. from the Partridge family. Because you think about it, she's got a bunch of kids with different personalities. She's got Chris and Tracy, who are kind of quiet and low key. She's got Danny, who's just a, a whack job. She's got Keith and Lori, who are the teenagers. <laughs> There's a lot of different personalities there. She's got Reuben Kincaid, the manager, who is basically her assistant principal. Um, he's creative, but he's a little bit, eh, not all there all the time, so she has to keep him under control. And she can sing. Um, she's organized tour schedules. She's organized family schedules. She has uh, a lot of things going on at any one time. She's an amazing multitasker, and I think Shirley Partridge would be an amazing, and she's got a school bus. So what more could you possibly ask than principal partridge you
0: know i appreciate the depth that you always <laughs> go into to, to paint these pictures having never seen a single episode of the partridge family are you
3: kidding hey, me really Now i feel in the old. 70s. oh geez i feel really old
0: As the world, the there's a song that we're singing i know it's all right oh, man, I'm, I'm familiar with the partridge
3: Family. i think I,
1: just... I love you so what am i so afraid of Anyway.
2: Yeah, okay. I was born in the 70s, and the answer is yes. All right, there you go. <laughs> what about you? you should yeah. know. Rerun. So please. you said yours, yours was going to go
0: off, off base a little but I thought, you know, uh, um, a wholesome mom from a 70s sitcom is not that far, a bit, far off base. Is, I'm going to go. Okay. But, uh, you know, more recently, you said classic. I think this will end up being a classic, but I'm thinking of Ozark. Val, have you? Ozark. Tremendous oh, Netflix show. show. It's phenomenal. And so one of the lead characters in there is Marty Bird. And uh, morally and ethically, you would never want Marty Bird as your school principal. However, he is extremely intelligent. Uh, He's organized. He's good with money. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He is a family man. Might want to keep an eye on the ASB budget. Exactly. You want to see where all that money goes. But He's good with money. He's a problem solver. And he's tremendous at building trust with people who are extremely untrustworthy. He gets people to do things that just boggles the mind. So, you know, Marty Bird, yeah, not a very good person, but he has a lot of qualities that could make him an excellent school minister.
1: You should put that on your list of TV shows to stream during your retirement. Ozark oh, is It's okay. fantastic.
3: Okay.
0: It's a good one, and they're currently working on their next season. She yes. Next summer. Yeah. Okay,
3: now you guys just, I don't know. I've been thinking about this. I'm going to go back to the character you use all the time, Ferris Bueller.
1: Oh my god! Gosh. I like it. Yeah.
3: You know because he knows all the ins and outs of things. <laughs> he understands those workings. He knows how to be manipulative, and
2: maybe not the right way. <laughs> maybe not the right
3: way. I'm seeing you know, that as
1: permission right now. Uh,
3: <laughs> I could just see him because he he knows what kids think. Nobody
0: could pull an
1: over on him. Nobody could
3: pull it over on Nobody him because he's, a- awesome he's done it really. all. And I think that. I, I just could see him.
1: What a great sequel oh, that would be. He uh, grows up and becomes administrator. They could film that now oh, with yeah. Matthew Broderick being an adult, principal. Bueller, they could pull off Cobra Kai. They could certainly oh, pull off.
0: Oh, absolutely. As do. Who do we call? Uh, that That's a great idea.
3: I could just see him. I really could see him.
0: That's, that's totally, it. totally. What would his sister be up to? He's oh,
1: anything. You know, uh, and Rooney could be like the superintendent.
3: hmm and they would stubby be budding heads.
0: Oh yeah, of course. Oh my goodness. You'd be calling the school to check and see if Ferris is in his office or not. <laughs> He's taken nine personal necessity days. Nine, nine
3: times. No, no, he only says one there.
0: I've got to bring back the secretary.
1: Oh, that's yes, great,
3: Grace.
0: Ferris does the secretary. Her name was Grace. Yes, righteous dude. <laughs>
1: Well, thank you, Val. This was an awful lot of fun. See, that wasn't so bad, was it?
3: No, because you guys, I love you guys, so it's nice to talk I to you. you too. I just don't like having to come up with answers off the top of my head, because it doesn't work. But I just talking to good. you like that, you know, it's fun.
1: It'd be great. Well, thank you for being here.
3: Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Me. Love you, Val. Love you,
2: too. That's the fact
3: yeah.
1: All right, and that brings us to our fact check. What do you got for us, Carrie?
2: I have two for you. So I am curious about, because I've not watched Ozark, I think, is it on Netflix?
0: It is on Netflix, yes.
2: Did you make that face? Were you upset with me that I haven't watched it? Well,
0: you should watch it. You <laughs> should
2: watch it. I have not watched it, so I was hoping that you might be able to tell me more.
0: Sure. So uh, Ozark is a series. It is classified as a crime drama thriller. Principal?
2: Was- did you say he would be a good principal? Did yeah. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. just say crime? Yes,
0: yes. I did. <laughs> okay. Crime, drama, thriller. I believe there are three seasons so far. Season four is in production as we speak. It was shut down during, during the pandemic. But basically, it's about a financial advisor who drags his family from Chicago to the Missouri Ozarks, where he must launder money to appease a oh. drug boss.
2: Is this the principal? The launderer? This
0: launder- is for imdb.com. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So it's not just about keeping things clean.
0: It's about <laughs> skills.
2: Oh, no. Yeah. I'm still afraid.
0: He's a financial wizard. He is. He's great with money.
2: So model model myself after him is what we're saying. Watch it. Learn from it. I'm become he him. he has
0: certain character traits that would serve him well in a leadership role.
2: Awesome. And I all things it.
1: considered, he's a pretty low-key, reasonable. It's played by
2: Jason Bateman. Very innocent. Amazing actor. Yes. I like him very much. Yeah. yeah, he's good. All right. I'll check it out. Thank you so much. And then our last one is, I do not know anything about this, but all three of you seem to know a lot about Seriously WTF. Hashtag, I think you said something else. So tell me that story.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of an inside joke on our elementary principals um, group chat. Um, we, we were given a last minute change uh, a few weeks ago, and it was just a really stressful time for all of us. And, and one of the principals who shall remain nameless thought he or she was texting a couple of friends, but he or she actually was putting it into the group chat and just it was seriously WTF with like three exclamation points. Um, Which we all Yeah. So who was in the chat? All elementary principals, which it could have been worse because we all basically felt the same way, Mm -hmm. um, but we didn't say it so explicitly. So, Uh, you know, and and the the thing is, Eric, you're one of my side chat friends. Sure. uh, So I I can't say I haven't made that same (laughs) mistake. Not quite as graphically, but I I I think we've all probably at some point thought we were texting one person and we're actually mm-hmm. texting somebody else. So it's an honest mistake that we all made, and uh, so we've we've given this other principal a little bit of a hard time about it. But we all definitely sympathize
2: and have been in those shoes. I randomly texted the speech therapist at our school site, hey. At a park. She texted back, well, that's awesome. And then I realized, that's kind of a weird response that I looked to see. Oh, speech therapist. She didn't need to know I was going to a park with my dog.
0: I got a text as we were recording this today that said, oops, that wasn't for you.
1: Yeah, I've actually gotten them from teachers um, that thought they were texting their grade level and actually forgot that there was a separate thing that had their grade level and me in it. And they sent it. And it wasn't horrible, but it was enough to where they were a little bit embarrassed. And mm. of course um i mean it wasn't that horrible and i
2: understand
1: so they didn't get in trouble for it but i i remind i remind that
2: teacher of that every now and then yeah even holster just in case oh yeah you yeah. never know awesome thank you so
1: much that is all i have for you today that was great all right thank you
2: Carrie. thanks for listening everyone please take a minute to rate review and subscribe to the alone with our principals podcast on spotify apple Podcasts, stitcher podbean or wherever you get your podcasts
0: for more content including videos contests and other information You can follow us on our Facebook page. We would love to hear from you.
1: Until next time, this is Chris, and on behalf of Eric and Carrie, we hope you'll remember the words of the great philosopher Ferris Bueller, who once said, Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it.
2: You're still here? It's over go home.